You're listening to Fueled, a Finstamaker podcast, and I'm your host, Catherine Finstamaker. Dr. Cam Movisagi, thank you for being here today. And before we get started, I'm going to let our audience know a little bit about who you are. Dr. Cam Movisagi is currently residing in Lafayette, serving as president and CEO of Movisagi LLC. He has experience in civil engineering in the areas of consulting, academia, and government. Dr. Movisagi received his Bachelor of Science degree from UL in Lafayette in 1963, then going on to earn his Master of Science and PhD from LSU's Civil and Environmental Engineering Department. Dr. Movisagi served as an engineer in several engineering firms in his early career, then joining the faculty at the University of Louisiana Lafayette, where he was selected to head the Department of Civil Engineering. Under his direction, the department expanded programs in research, developed a design computation laboratory, developed a graduate engineering management program, and received very successful ABET accreditation reviews. In 1998, Dr. Movisagi was appointed by then-Governor Mike Foster as Secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development. With this position, Dr. Movisagi was able to increase the annual construction project lettings by 78% with no net increase in annual revenues. He also implemented a comprehensive management plan to expedite completion of the TIMED program, the largest construction program in the history of the department. Dr. Movisagi accomplished these and many other notable feats in the six years he served the state in this role. Dr. Cam was also the president of Finstamaker from 2005 to 2014, so welcome back to the office, and thank you for agreeing to be part of our first season of Fueled. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So the focus of our conversation today is going to be transportation infrastructure. Are you on board for that? Sure. (laughs) I'm on board to talk about it all the time. Okay, perfect. So just, you know, after having read your introduction, is there anything else that you wanted to let us know about what you have going on currently or your past leading up to present? Well, currently, uh, most of my time is spent on volunteer work. I am involved with One Acadiana, which is a regional chamber, of course. And and I participate in the professional organizations, and but uh, and every so often somebody asks for help, and I I provide my services for that. So uh, I am still a member of American Society of Civil Engineers, which I have been for all of my life, basically. Yeah, I'm a life member, as a matter of fact, and uh, I keep up with what's going on in our profession around the country and uh, keep up with our profession, what's going on in Louisiana. So I'm very much still interested in that and keep keep it up. Wonderful. So can you talk a bit about your career trajectory, maybe about the path that you took leading to where you are today, and perhaps about what has propelled you to get involved with infrastructure projects at such a high level? When I graduated and... uh, after my getting my master's degree at LSU, uh, went and started working for a consulting firm. 
And as a young engineer working for a consulting firm, I was assigned projects, and I had a supervisor that I did the work under, under that person. And I did a number of very challenging and interesting projects. But as the time went on and I kept doing more and more of that kind of work, I came to the realization that that maybe I need to do, be doing some other things. So I started pursuing my graduate degrees and then graduate started taking graduate courses and, and at Tulane. And then later on, I went to LSU to work on my PhD. My PhD, although it was through a civil engineering department, but it was in an area called engineering systems. Okay. And engineering systems, basically, you're looking at the entire system rather than looking at the components. As an engineer, you design the components okay. and then you put the components together. So finally, the company holds everything becomes the system. But mm-hmm. I start looking at the system. How does the system operate? What can I do to make that system work better? What can I do to make that system be more efficient? And systems engineering was being born in those days and I got interested in that. And I had a very young, energetic professor who's still still here, still alive and, 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 and he was my idol. And I I worked with him and under under his guidance and supervision and we did we did some some interesting work so from early on uh that was my interest and mm-hmm. i always looked at engineering as the whole thing the big thing rather than just the components and parts elements uh well that is why i got involved in in infrastructure okay. infrastructure as a whole, infrastructure as a system, infrastructure as not as a single unit, a single piece of road, a single single bridge. How does the system work and how, how beneficial that system is to the society? Yeah, that's definitely some big picture thinking. So as we mentioned um, in your intro, um, you served as the secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development. So I'm just curious, how did serving in that role change your perspective on infrastructure, or did it? Well, one of the things that, that early on came very clear to me, and my, my boss made sure that it is clear to me, Governor Foster at the time, the level of dissatisfaction of people Mm. with the performance of the department. Okay. And, you know, in in government, um, because of its size, Mm. because of its regulations, because of all of the boundaries that there is around doing work, uh, government is not efficient. Government doesn't produce the way private sector produces. Mm. And, And... at times, I hate to say this, at times government doesn't care as much as a consultant would care about the project that the consultant is designing. Yeah. So, uh, Is that because uh, of they're fundamentally disconnected from it? They, in, in a way, yeah, they are. In another word, just imagine we live in Lafayette and we have a need for a piece of road. Mm-hmm. Right here, Broad School Road. Mm-hmm. Project engineer who is sitting in Baton Rouge and maybe has been or been not been in Lafayette to look at it. And he is running the project from Baton Rouge. So what is his okay. level of interest compared to you and I when we have to travel, travel that road to get to the office every day? Right. So that disconnect always exists. So Governor Foster wanted me to do what I can to, to impact that and change that as much as possible. Okay. I hate to say six years is not enough to make a major impact. Yeah. 
-hmm. It is not enough to make sure that the ideas that you have can be fully implemented. In government, you need a lot more than that. Yeah. But anyhow, I had six years with him, and and we did, and I'm 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 proud of what we did. Uh, in some areas, we were successful, and some areas, we 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 weren't as successful as we should have been. Can you tell me about one big win that you had whenever you were in that role? Like something that you worked really hard on and felt like, man, that was an accomplishment. Something that you saw come to fruition. Well, I, today I will tell you that the big win was the time program. Uh, just give you a little background. It was a program which was voted in in 1990 by public. Okay. It included 16 major projects in that package. And then there was a four cents gasoline tax that was implemented with that project. We're okay. supposed to pay for the project. Mm-hmm. So it was a statewide project, uh, highways such as uh, uh, United States Route 165, 167, 171, uh, Louisiana 10. There were a number of projects in New Orleans. Uh, uh, there were Napoleon Street and Earhart Boulevard and all of that. There so it was, was kind of a bundle. These were all part of that, that, that whole package, yes. Okay. There was the uh, $100 million for airport, $75 million for the port of New Orleans. So, I mean, it was a big project. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough, Lafayette didn't have a project in that in that okay. mix. Neither did Baton Rouge. So, but but the rest of the state had project. Anyhow, but that's good. That project was voted in in 1990, mm-hmm. and Governor Foster was in office in in uh, 1998, mm-hmm. and I think I think he was elected in 1996, and and he was getting a, a lot of complaint uh, from public that the projects are not getting done. Nobody see any result, and why is it that is not? And the way, the reason it was that the, the, the Department of Transportation was doing one project at a time. Remember, the gasoline tax would generate enough money in one year, let's say $30 million. Okay. And then Highway Department would spend that $30 million on doing that project or that project. Okay. While this project was being done in one locality, the rest of the states were sitting there waiting for their turn to come. And it was just taking a lot of time, and there was a lot of dissatisfaction. So he challenged me. He said, see what you can do to expedite the whole process and okay. get it done faster. I looked around the country to see who was doing that kind of level of project, expediting it. There was a program in South Carolina it was called 24-7, meaning doing 24 years worth of work in seven years. Oh. The lady who was the, uh, the uh, Department of Transportation director then, and she was doing it. So I went, I went to South Carolina, and I spent a few days learning why and how and what she was doing and all of that. So once I did that, I came back, and I put a plan together, and I said, we're going to hire an outside program manager, not allow the Department of Transportation to manage the entire program, but be managed by an outside group, by a group of consultants. Okay. So we advertised nationwide. We hired a group and we held their feet to the fire that if they didn't perform, they didn't get paid. Mm. And they got paid only based on their performance, based on the schedule that we had, we had laid out for them. 
and we set a 10-year limit to get that project done. This was in 2002. Mm. Well, I am proud to say, and I wasn't in office at that time, I'm proud to say that in 2012, the last project of the 16 projects was completed, and that was the UP Long Bridge in New Orleans. And remember, in the process, we had Hurricane Katrina. Oh, we wow. had that devastation. We had all of that. But they got done. Two projects didn't get done, mm-hmm. and there are specific reasons for it. Uh, one project was a Florida Avenue bridge in New Orleans area. And because of the loss in population in New Orleans, there was a question whether we ever going to need that bridge anymore. Okay. Because people had left the city. Right. So that was put back and we didn't do that project well i wasn't in the office at the time the 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 secretary decided to do that and then the other project was a a piece of highway from i-12 to bush and that project had environmental problems so it, it it lasted a lot longer than that needed and now it is environmentally clear and 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 now they're looking for the money to to build it but the point is that majority of the project majority of the package that we said we're going to take 10 years to do it we got it done yeah and 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 i'm i'm very proud of that i'm that 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 and again i was in the office right the system that we created allowed it to happen and it, it, it did happen that's really great and you know what i like about that is how you saw it inspiration from around the country and when you found that source of inspiration you visited and you made sure that you know you were following a successful model almost and that that's really good but it wasn't just the inspiration but we also learned of how they did it yeah in south carolina they didn't do it uh, their program 24 7 they didn't do it through the Department of Transportation in South Carolina. They did it through a consultant okay. who came in as program manager. And when they wrote the contract, they wrote a lot of restrictions to that to that contract to make sure that the consultant would perform. Well, yeah. we learned that from him. And when we came back here, we brought in an outside consultant as a program manager, yeah. gave him the program, said, use the resources in the department, whatever resources you need, but we're going to hold you responsible for the for, for carrying out the, yeah. the, the program. And it definitely seems like that worked well. So just kind of high level, I guess, can you tell us how you see infrastructure supporting work and quality of life locally and regionally? Well, you know, the word infrastructure includes a lot of things. Right. You know, you could have water infrastructure, you got wastewater infrastructure, you got transportation infrastructure, you got a tra- you got number of right. areas that that our life our everyday depends on on it. We call it infrastructure. Uh just talking about the transportation side of it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh in the last I say 20 years, we have not paid the attention uh, to the transportation infrastructure as we should be paying. We have a national trust fund. Every time you put a gallon of gas in your car, you pay 18 cents of gasoline tax. That Mm -hmm. goes to the federal government. Federal government puts that in the trust fund. And then out of that trust fund, the money is divvied up among the states to spend on federal roads and national roads. Well, that trust fund been basically broken for the it broke, not broken, broke for the last 
eight or nine years. Not enough money goes in, but a lot more is taken out of it to do it. So it's not enough. And we haven't raised the gasoline tax nationally for all of those years. So what's happening is that we are not investing enough in our transportation infrastructure to keep it up. Our interstate system was originated in 1950s after Eisenhower became the president and he came from Europe after saw European autobahns during the war. He said, hey, we need to have a system like that in the United States. So he came in and he put the interstate together. Well, interstate was being was built in, 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 in part of 60s and 70s and part of 80s. Yeah. Now, if you look at it, the ones were built in 70s, they're still in operation. That's 50 years old. And, and the lifespan is, is less than that. Yeah. And they have not been replaced. They have been maintained, maybe. So our infrastructure is in bad, bad need of completely revamping and redone. And we just, in the last 20 years, I have not heard any leadership on the part of anybody in Washington that says, hey, we're going to do it. Our president now has talked about it, but I have not seen any program from him yet as mm-hmm. to how he wants to do it. Okay. And that's, I mean, key is you, you have yeah. to have a program to implement. You have to have the programs. You have to have the money. So that's that's on the on the federal level. We, the same exact problem exists mm-hmm. in our state level. Yeah. Uh, our last gasoline tax was voted in in 84, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, we haven't raised the gasoline tax. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to my next question. House Bill 542 um, recently died in the legislature. So just a bit of background, this bill would have increased the per gallon excise tax on gasoline, diesel, and certain special fuels, and would also have levied an excise tax on electric and hybrid vehicles, contributing a portion of the collected monies into that transportation trust fund that you were just talking about. Had you anticipated this bill would be successful in making its way into law? No. Uh, This bill, uh, every year, uh, the industry has pushed for increasing gasoline tax. And we have had the same problem. This year, in particular, being an election year, uh-huh. they put this thing together. I didn't want to be a naysayer. I went to some of the meetings. I participated with them. But I really didn't have any any hope that this will be passing, especially this year, when most of those guys in Baton Rouge are mm-hmm. going to be going home and running for re-election. They want, it, they want their own seat, so they want another seat, so they're running for election. So they're not going to, they're not going to vote on any taxes. And, okay. and the T, T word in the state of Louisiana <laughs> is, not, is not a very acceptable the, one. The T word. The T word. <laughs> so uh, would you have suggested an alternate course of action to increase the funds available for infrastructure improvement? I believe, and I have written a white paper about this in a few years back, uh, as a matter of fact, in 2014, when I, when I, after I left uh, Fence to Maker. I believe that managing and taking care of the infrastructure is a partnership between three levels. Federal level, that means provide the money for federal highways. Mm. Then we have a set of highways that they are state highways that they serve regional connectivity 
They are okay. not for national connectivity. Highway, the, the federal highways are for national connectivity. Then state highways are for regional connectivity, and I think that states should have responsibility for maintaining those. Then we have a bunch of roads that they are for local purposes only to get you from here to Walmart. Right. Okay? So those roads need to be the responsibility of the local communities. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I think all three entities should have a source of revenue that would go directly toward that. We pay taxes because we, we pay property taxes and sometimes sales taxes because we want our kids to be educated in the public school. I think we should pay taxes because we want our roads in this parish to be in good shape. And the same thing goes for Louisiana systems and the same thing goes for the national system. Right. And, and that is not the case. That's interesting because I would assume that it would be the case because it's so logical. No, it is not. And, and, and basically now uh, we are looking for handouts. We're looking for federal government to come up with the money so we can get the money spent on this and that. that. Uh, or we're looking for state legislature to increase the state gasoline tax. So maybe from there we get, but, but locally we have very little money uh, in this parish, for example, in Lafayette Parish, to be able to put on our roads and take care of our, our local roads. And, and, and what we did, we also did something else. In many years ago, this, is, this goes back, I think, in, in 50s or so, uh, some legislator decided to make things simple, supposedly, took a whole bunch of local roads and wrote the legislation and put it on the state inventory. Oh. So locals don't have to worry about it. State will take care of it. Well, that's now, an interesting strategy. And uh, Yes. And now today, here we are. State got a lot more than they can handle. They don't have enough revenues. And locals say, well, that's not my road. That's a state road. They need to take care of it. And And... Ultimately, you and I are paying for it. It's interesting. We are paying for it, and we don't know it. We're paying for it by our broken windshields. Right. We're paying for it by having our front end aligned a couple of times a year. I've done yeah. it twice already to my year. I'm in my car, and my car is about four years old. We we be paying for it by our tires being blown up. I mean, we paying yeah. for it. We paying for it by sitting in congestion. Yeah. We paying for it and we don't know it. Yeah. But it is what it is. It sure is. So can you talk a little bit about the Louisiana statewide transportation plan? And I'm not sure exactly how, but how, if it is at all, aligned with the American Society of Civil Engineers infrastructure report card for Louisiana. And are the goals and objectives over that 30-year time horizon mentioned in that statewide transportation plan, do you find them comprehensive and realistic? Very much so. Uh, I, had, I had the opportunity to put the transportation, when I was in the Department of Transportation, that, that the, the, the plan before this one, this mm -hmm. one came. Uh, the, the comprehensive plan is really a comprehensive plan. It takes several years to do it. It requires a lot of people's input. A number of committees are formed and put together to, to analyze and to look at it. And, and then there is a prioritization list of what projects are most important and what projects are least important. 
And it is required by the federal government to have it. It is a good thing we have it. And it can be used very effectively. The only problem is if we're going to take projects out of there, implement it, we have to have the money for it, and the money is not for it. I mean, okay. it's not available right now. So that's and, the problem. And so those monetary concerns, do you find that that's kind of responsible across the board for the poor performance in the infrastructure report card? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when, when, when your drinking water system is not adequate mm. or when you turn the tap, brown water comes out rather than clear water, that is... A purification process. That's 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 having the right plan, having the right system to be able to do that. When my house floods, that means my drainage system, my watershed has not been looked at, analyzed, and 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 properly designed. So I mean, it, it purely has to do with money. And why it hasn't been? Because we didn't have the money to do it. So yes, it is all. It's all money. It's it is it is. I'm not saying there is no waste. There is waste. In mm -hmm. government, there is always waste. Yeah. But for most part, these problems that we have today is not because of the waste. Waste has something to do with it, but it's not purely waste. It has to do with lack of enough funding for us to maintain it uh, when we should have maintained it. There is a curve that if you maintain a piece of road, uh, let's say two years after it was built, okay. do, the, do the maintenance. Then you will spend, let's say, I'm, I'm, I'm making these numbers out, but I'm going to give you the, just just the, the differences. Let's say you will spend a dollar to, to fix it. Okay. If it is 10 years older, that dollar may be now $3. Okay. If it is 15 years later, that dollar now is maybe $25. Okay, so exponentially, exponentially right? goes up. So yeah. as 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 the it gets older and older and older, the cost of fixing it, replacing it, becomes higher and higher and higher. So we don't have the money to fix it when in the early ages. Oh well, that's not an important one. I got another important project. I got to spend the money here. So while I'm spending money on this project, You're this one is getting kind of older and becoming more expensive. And just building and, up and that. That's exactly that backlog. What yeah, man, that's an intricate. An interesting conundrum, I guess. Yes. <laughs> That's the best word I can think of it for. <laughs> An interesting conundrum. So I know that there are two projects that you're currently very passionate about and that you have been passionate about for some time. So maybe you'd like to discuss the importance of the LRX, the Lafayette Regional Expressway, and then also if you wanted to talk a little bit about maybe some of the progress on I-49 South Connector project? Uh, let me talk about I-49 South. Uh, I-49 South been been around, or we have talked about it, oh, going back to early 90s. I mean, that's when I got involved. Uh, I was I was asked to join the chamber and, and, and get involved in I-49 South. Uh, it is an important project. Uh, not only for state of Louisiana, not only for Lafayette and South Louisiana, but basically nationally. It is a highway that directly connects New Orleans to Kansas City. 
and from Kansas City, you go to either Minneapolis or you go to Winnipeg. So just one piece of road straight through. There are several parts of it now. Uh, well, the, the portion through uh, Missouri is completely built. The portion through Arkansas, there is there is really one portion that need to be built. And the portion in Louisiana is between Lafayette and New Orleans that need to be completed. As part of that, it is the segment that goes through the city of Lafayette, and we call it Connector. Okay. And we have studied that Connector. We have gotten what is called the Record of Decision. That, that means it clears it to go into design and construction. And now we are, the Record of Decision got too old. It was issued in 2004. Now it's gotten too old, so we have to look at it again and revitalize it again. And then, And now the public is getting involved. Some people are for it. Some people are against it. So that that fight is going on somehow some way i believe we have to have leadership that would step up and say okay enough is enough i've heard what i have heard i have considered what i need to consider and this project will be done it is in our best interest and i'm willing to jeopardize my political career on that yeah we, we haven't had that okay we haven't had that leadership to stand up to say that at the at the at the governor's level or either at the mayor president's level okay so uh there are group for it group against it uh some people say if that highway comes completely going to destroy the evangeline throughway corridor but evangeline throughway corridor is already destroyed absolutely There's nothing there and, and if it doesn't come, those trucks are not going to bypass Evangeline through the corridor. They're, going to, they're going to still going to continue going through Evangeline through the corridor. So nothing is going to happen. So anyhow, but but it is emotional thing, so public is involved. Okay. So that's that highway. Now, what's going to happen? I really don't know. I'm, we are working on it, and, and there's a consultant now. He's putting a package together again, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. Okay. The LRX is a different project. LRX Commission was created in 2003 uh, by the Act of Legislature. It was called Lafayette Metropolitan Expressway Commission. Okay. Their mandate was to look to see what needs to be done to improve Lafayette transportation systems. Okay. Over the years, this commission has studied and looked, and finally their conclusion is that Lafayette needs a bypass half of a belt mm -hmm. it starts on the western part of lafayette it starts somewhere on i-49 above karen mm -hmm. it comes down it passes i-10 west of uh, scott then it comes all the way down south and then finally loops in and then crosses the highway 90 as a half loop and connects the New Iberia Airport to the this 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 segment of highway. Now it will provide access to the New Iberia Airport, okay. which makes New Iberia Airport much more uh, attractive. Uh, yeah, that, that that is it would be easier to get to and get out of anyhow. Yeah. So there is no money for it, but we have always looked at that project as a toll project. Okay, so, that's interesting. Yes, that that. Once once it is built, then if you use it, then you will pay for it. However, 
all toll projects in the country need some initial funding. Right. None of them, none of them can go just on toll. So uh, it doesn't mean that we are not going to ask for money. We are going to ask for some kind of money to get it started. But once it gets started, once people start using it, once they start paying the tolls, then the tolls will pay to pay the debt. Okay. From the toll money. And so is this sort of starting from scratch or are you utilizing roads that are already in existence that would need to be widened and enhanced in different ways to create this? This is mostly starting from scratch. We have studied it so far on what is called the corridor base. The corridor is about a one and a half mile wide strip of land. Mm-hmm. So we haven't decided within that mile and a half wide strip where the road is going to be. Okay. So we are looking at it environmentally to see is that environment is this road environmentally acceptable if we take the strip a mile and a half, go all the way from north of Carincrow to all the way to to Highway 90 at Louisiana 88. We looked at it. Environmental is acceptable. Now the next step is once and there's something called a record of decision. Once the federal government says, yes, you can move to the next level, then we will going to start looking at the same, in, the, in that strip, we're going to look at the highway at the right-of-way level, and that's about 300 feet wide. Okay. And now you start looking at 300 feet. For most part, I think majority, 90%, 95%, I believe is going to be all brand new road. It's not going to be the ones that are available. Because the ones that are available in those areas are usually country roads. They are two-lane highways and all that. That's not going to be used, cannot be used for, for that kind of highway. This okay. is going to be expressway. This is going to be expressway. No lights, nothing. Overhead gantries. You're going to put a transponder in your, on your car and you won't even know it. And every month you get the bill and you pay for it. It seems like all of the things that we've talked about require, if you're going to be pushing for these projects, a whole lot of patience and a whole lot of persistence. Yes. So do you feel like that's been maybe, you know, behind your efforts, like just a, a sincerely, like a great amount of patience in, in all of your endeavors? Well, you ha- yeah, you have to have it. I mean, when you look at things at a very large scale, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those things don't get done overnight. So you have to have the patience. You have to. But, but what you want to do, you want to make sure that what you're looking at, uh, system as a whole is workable. System as a whole is implementable. System as a whole is a good one. And, and, then, and then you start little by little, you know, trying to implement it, get it done. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it requires patience. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, you, keep, you keep plugging away, and then hopefully one day, one day it'll become a reality. And my grandchildren will drive on that road, and they'll <laughs> say, hey, my, my granddad has something to do with it. Yeah. Well, it's such an admirable quest, and, and I appreciate all of your hard work in these regards, definitely. So in addition to... These projects that you just talked about, um, what do you think the future needs for infrastructure are going to be in terms of transportation, wastewater, other public services? And just kind of along those same lines, how does an organization such as local or state government go about adequately planning for future needs? Like, what questions are they contemplating throughout that planning process? 
Well, basically, the planning process starts with with the need. When when there is a need, when the, when 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 I can't get to work, I sit in the traffic for hours at a time. Well, certainly, there is a need for a road for me to be able to travel faster and get to work faster. At that level, uh, the planning commissions of the of the city or or community, the agencies in uh, Louisiana or agencies nationally, uh, such as the Department of Transportation nationally or others, or EPA or others, they start looking at a system that would come in and alleviate the issues, the problems that exist. Now, that system could be a road, it could be a power plant generation, I'm generating electricity. It could be a, 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 a municipal wastewater uh, plant. So it could be any one of those things. Okay. And, and that's called need. Once the need's established, then we know that we need to do it. Then the question is, where are we going to put it? How are we going to build it? How are we going to pay for it? And all of this is called the planning process. So you go through the planning process. And once all the questions is answered, once everybody is satisfied with the planning process, then the next step is the design process. Now we go start designing the pieces and all that. Once all the design meets and, and designs have to meet the codes, which they are the local codes, the national codes, and state codes, and all kind of codes. When they meet the codes, they satisfy all the codes. And now a set of plans is, is, is produced and now we take those plans and construction starts. Okay. And it eventually becomes a usable system. Well, this process is a very complex process from identifying needs to eventually building the thing at this other end. Yeah. And it takes years. And that's where public just becomes frustrated. And why <laughs> can't I just go to Walmart and buy one? Yeah. Well, you can't. Yeah. It just it just was there. And all of these rules and regulations came about with the best intentions of protecting the public. Yeah. They wanted to make sure that you and I are protected when this road is built. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the all 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 good intentions have have some some kinks to it and problems with it. And and they, most of these rules will affect somebody in a negative way. Yeah. And living in a democracy, those who are affected in a negative way, they raise their voice. They huh. say, we don't want it. I don't want it because the, the road is coming through my property. Or you taking my, my land away from me because you want to build a, a power plant, a generating station. So all of that. So, but, but it's a democracy. And, yeah. and, and it's a system that we have to work. And I tell you, it's the absolutely the best system there is. You know, uh, Give you an example. China, uh, prior to the, I was in China in 1988. Then I went back to China. I went to Beijing, right, right, right before the Olympics, before 2004. When I was there in 88, in Beijing there was no uh, expressways. It was all city streets, and, and we traveled on city streets and highways. When I went uh, right before the Olympics, 
Beijing's had five rings built around it. Five. Wow. And it just blew my mind. I said, how did it happen? How could you possibly do that? Yeah. So somebody pulled me to the side. He said, let me enlighten you. Mm -hmm. He said, in China, when the decision is made to build this road through here, and there will happen to be three houses here. The government will come in. We'll go to the first house. Say, how many people are living here? Two. Great. That's 500000 apiece. That's a million dollars. Out. And they go to the next house. How many people are living here? Three. That's a million and a half. Take it out. He says, within one week, they pay him. They move him out. The land is available for, 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 for construction. Hey. All right? And I said, she. He said, that's the only way. And that's how they did it. And once once they, they cleared it, they, they took, moved the people out, and tractors come in, and the bulldozers come in, and building started, and now we got all of these loops. So I started thinking. I said, yeah, you know, even in, in, in the United States, it would have taken at least 50 years, 100 years probably, to build five rings like that. Oh, absolutely. But... Ultimately, do I want that system? No, I'd rather this. <laughs> even though it's painstaking. It, 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 even though it is painstaking. Even though you have to go to all these meetings. Even though you have to uh, talk to people. And even though uh, you have to put up with a lot of uh, uninformed public sometimes. But it is what it is. It yeah. Is, it is democracy. Yeah. And this is the greatest country it's the greatest on country the planet, in the world. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so do you see um, these new technologies like GIS and cloud storage playing an important role in that planning uh, process that you talked about in management of infrastructure services? Absolutely. Absolutely. And as those technologies have emerged, do you have any insight or observance as to their benefits in that process and 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 infrastructure management oh absolutely we already see it i mean uh you know one of the one of the one of the uh projects that i have seen and i don't know why we don't do it in louisiana is using gis in passing the information to the public mm-hmm. there are several sites uh, supported by various departments of transportations around the country, that it is a GIS. So if you want to know about a certain project that is going ongoing, mm-hmm. you go to the GIS site, you click on the on the site, and here comes full gamut of information about that project. When did it get started? Where the money came from? What stage it is? What is anticipated that the completion? All that. Everything you want to know about that project is right there. Well, we don't have it in the state of Louisiana. But there are, there are several states that do have it. And I wish one day we get smart enough to do that. And uh, I think if we make GIS use uh, more public-friendly, yeah. so I can, I can just talk to the computer and computer does just like just like echo does and just like you know others so if i can do that then maybe we get to the point that it would be so easy that the public can can use it right now public doesn't use gis as much i mean unless you know something yeah. about gis 
Yeah. You, you, you or they're using use it. it more intuitively, perhaps yes. in ways that maybe they don't realize that it's GIS that they're using. That's right. That's right. I mean, Google has done a great job of, of allowing us to do a lot of, but Google search through that. But but there are there are a number of uh, department of transportation agencies that that now use it and use it effectively uh, to to. Educate the public, and 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 that's that's fantastic. As a that's communication fantastic. tool. As a communication tool. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, you have been quoted as saying that we have a critical problem in the state, and that we have to get serious about how we address these issues. So, what I want to ask you is, what does getting serious look like? Getting serious means holding our public officials accountable. Very simple. And, you know, I mean, I campaign and I promise you that when I am elected, I will do this and that. At the end of the term, I don't want to hear any excuses. Well, I didn't have the votes and and, and I had a bunch of Republicans that fight fought me and, and didn't let me do it or 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 I never I never could get no, no. I mean, all of that goes with the territory. I mean, you said that you will go do it, and, and I want to hold you accountable. Yeah. Now, having said that, having mm-hmm. said that, I think we also need to hold our civil servants accountable in the same light. That when you're planning your project, when you're putting timelines on it, when you're putting your delivery dates on it, but by God, I want to see that timeline. And no, no excuses. I, I hate to say this. I, you know, I travel North Louisiana and back often. There are these signs, blinking signs, on the road on I-49. There are part of it is being repaired. And the sign says, uh, construction for the next mile and a half, and then warning about being careful or whatever. And then the next page is, Weather permitting. Now, weather <laughs> permitting now has become a thing that I can always hide behind. Well, I couldn't do it because weather didn't permit. Build the weather permitting into your into your expectation. If, mm-hmm. if the road is going to be closed for three days, it's not just the three days of construction. It's three days and possibly one of it will be rain and the two days will be I'll be working on it. Right. You know, build that into the system. Mm-hmm. Be accountable. I think accountability is, is the major issue. And we say things and we do things and we don't mean it. And then when we can't live up to our promises, there is no consequences. There is no accountability. And that is the problem on on the part of the elected officials and on the part of some of the civil servants also. Okay. That's a very straightforward answer. Um, So just in summation, a closing question that I ask all of my guests what fuels you just in general, in life, in your career, work, family? What fuels Dr. Cam Ovasagi? Well, I am tremendously grateful for all of the opportunities I've had. I've had, I've had some really tough times in my life. Uh, I have lived through a whole revolution. Uh, I have I have escaped out of my homeland and came 
back to America. But I am very grateful for all of the opportunities that the Lord has allowed me to have. And in return, I hope that I had done something for the humanity. I have done something good for for my community, my 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 state, my country here. And 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 that has always kept me going. I I I, I just I just love to be part of doing things, uh, making things happen. Uh, today, as I said all morning, I I went and I sat down and I listened to this idea of opportunity zone and how it can be used to better life for community and all of that. I said, okay, let me see what kind of role I can play there. And and so uh, I, 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 I'm very, very, very thankful and grateful for, for what I have done and what I have, what I have been. Well, I hope to accomplish even a sliver of what you've accomplished in my lifetime. And so I know that you've definitely made some valuable contributions. You will. You will. <laughs> Time will come. You will be challenged. I mean, when, 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 when I first went to Governor Foster's, uh, it was his, his mansion. It was a Thursday afternoon. i never forget. And, and, and he said, uh, I hear you've been talking about uh, our roads and this and that, and, and I think, and you've been saying that you could do better and, 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 and we need to do better and all. Is that right? I said, well, sir, yeah, well, I've So he says, okay, uh, you want to have the challenge to do it? I said, sir, what, what, what do you mean? He said, I want you to go around the Department of Transportation. I, I had no idea, you know, that that's coming. I, nobody had told me that that's, that's what he wants to see me. And I said, sir, I'm honored. And and I uh, certainly will give it a full consideration if you allow me to discuss it with my wife and my family. And this is this is a big career change. I'm, I'm at the university. I'm very happy where I am and all that. He said, and this is Thursday afternoon. He said, okay, you got. I, I need an answer from you on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Not a lot of time to think about it. I said, yes, sir. That's it. <laughs> well, so so, so you rose to the occasion. Uh, that's right. But I, I, I didn't think about that. I just did what I thought it is the right thing to do. And that was it. I mean, I didn't think about I'm I'm doing this because I'm going to get the accolades. I'm going to I'm doing this because I'm going to no. I never thought. I just thought here's a problem. What is the best way to address this problem? And I talked to some friends and I talked to some some colleagues or some some advisors. And if the answer was yes, this is the right thing. Okay, I said right, let's find a ways to do it. Then. I mean, that was it. And and. I guarantee you, you know, that approach kept kept me out of trouble and, and, and just trying to do what is right. So it comes up. Your father talks about that too. I mean, he always talks about that. So doing the right thing and, and, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great way. It's a great way. Well, that is a great way to end our podcast episode. So I am so grateful to you for your time today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and your expertise.
You're quite welcome. Pleasure of mine. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs>